Hey, what's going on, guys? You are here with the Kinfolk Podcast. Thank you for listening and tuning in. I've got a very special guest today. His name is Sean Thrasher, and we are going to be talking about calling from the context of a church planter. He is the pastor of the Palm, Miami. Let's give a warm uh, round of applause for Sean Thrasher. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Man, it's my pleasure. Man, so Sean, can you do me a favor? Can you, man, just give me a little bit of your bio and give your, sure. your uh, our listeners a little bit of your bio? Oh, no doubt. Well, hey, I um, and I hail originally from uh, both uh, Georgia as well as Detroit, Michigan. So uh grew up uh, with my grandmother in a small town and just south of Atlanta by 30 minutes. And then I moved uh, to Detroit, Michigan. I spent from five years old to uh, 17 in Detroit, Michigan. And I uh, left Detroit, went back to Atlanta. And uh, in Atlanta, I uh, attended uh, Morris Brown College. Uh, after I left Morris Brown College, headed back up to Detroit. And uh, from there, man, I got into uh, real estate. And um, not only did I get into real estate up there, but man, that's the point in time where I uh, received Jesus Christ as Savior. Uh, started serving in churches. I uh, met my beautiful wife uh, during this time. And uh, man, that prompted me to attend uh, seminary. So I went to Moody. And also went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Texas. So that's kind of like a brief bio. Man, it's crazy. I, w- I want to go ahead and get get going uh, based <laughs> off your bio. Uh, mm-hmm. wh- why seminary? Uh, yeah. And, and, and uh, how does that relate to calling? Oh, that's good. In your perspective. No, that's good, man. Um, Man, I, I could be totally incorrect on this, but I went to seminary. I felt the need to, you know, when you get saved, uh, there was a, a that burning desire to learn the scriptures. You read, 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 study, study, study. And I'm one of these persons. I was, uh, I came up uh, during that time. My discipleship was the radio. And so, you know, I'm coming up on guys that I hear on the radio, some good, some bad. Uh, but I did know that I needed to have some some further uh, training, right? And so uh, for me, I felt that the seminary was going to be one of those places where I could get uh, just further training, knowing what to do in a church environment, um, learning how to operate on the mission field. And so uh, that led me to uh, wanting want to go to seminary. You know? So that's kind of the background on that. So I know this is a, a, a dumb question, but do you feel <laughs> called? And uh-huh. what does that mean to you if you do? Gotcha, gotcha. So calling, I, I I know what you mean by that. There was a good book. It was so funny, man. Before I attended seminary, the seminary sent out a book, and the, the, the title of the book was Calling Out the Call. Calling Out the Call. Great book. Um, it's one of those books that I kind of cherish, man. I have one in my living room library. And uh in that book, it helped us to help me to understand a couple of things. One, Everybody is called, right? Uh, and so, and when we talk about called, uh, I believe that calling just has to do with what is your 
profession in the kingdom of God, right? What is God calling you to do within the kingdom of God? What work will you be doing in God's kingdom? And so uh, everybody is called based on uh, what I believe, you know, God does call everybody, but then he is going to have certain people do certain things. And, and we see that throughout scripture. And uh, that's kind of like my definition of what Paul actually is. So, so do, did you at the point feel a calling on your life mm-hmm. to, to preach, to pastor, or, or what was that trajectory for you? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I like that, man. Um, two things I can speak to. To answer the first question, yes, I, I do. I did feel that calling. Um, and what's so funny is, you know, when we talk about a calling, for me, it took me back, uh, you know, it took me back to my youth. And you kind of see how God uh, kind of put you together. And you could kind of see how he was working on that thing that you would arrive to at a later point in your life. And so um, for calling, I would say, yes, it's almost like you're arriving to an assignment that was already uh, put together for you. Right. So God knows about it ahead of time. And then you just arrive in time in order to fulfill what, you know, he's called and so uh, to answer the question, man, again, yes, I did feel called to preach. Um, it, it, I can't explain it. It, was, it wasn't some mysterious thing, but there was definitely a burning. Like, man, I want to. Like I Jeremiah. Wanna, yeah, yeah, it was a, a, it was a burning. shut up in my bones. bones. That's right. And so there was that desire, like, man, I want to communicate to people God's uh, word. You know, I want to tell people, not only in, in a church format, but also in, in, on the street, you know, I want to communicate to them what God has said for the purpose of them knowing what he wants, what he desires. So, so how long, uh, have you been walking in this mm-hmm. calling? It's 2021 now. Yep. Yep. Uh, when'd you start? Yep. And, uh, I know, I know seminary wasn't the first thing you felt. So mm-hmm. like, just take me through that progression. No doubt. So, uh, for me, man, um, I think the first thing was, uh, you know, well, I'll say this. I've been uh, walking with the Lord since I was 21. Uh, I uh, was listening to the AM radio one day, man, in my, and I was 21. I was looking for an FM station, and just so uh, happened to hit an AM station. Heard this booming voice coming across the radio, and uh, he was preaching this message, man on uh living in the kingdom of god and uh man uh listening to this radio station it was a guy named dr adrian roger and uh you know i i received christ right there uh in my car on my lunch break uh i had grown up in church you know in the south i had attended church in, in all of my years and uh man at that point in time i knew that i wasn't saved and I knew that I needed to be saved. And uh, after maybe about a year or so, um, I communicated to uh, a, a pastor, just told him, hey, my desire is to, you know, communicate the word of God. What's some of the next step? And they instructed, well, hey, you know, stay in your scriptures, uh, serve in the church. 
And they said, hey, you might want to consider also maybe attending seminary that can help further you, you know, and answer some of your questions. So that was kind of like the progression for me, you know. And uh, And where were you? Where were you at this time? Yeah. So I was in uh, I was in Detroit at this time. Okay. And I was mm -hmm, I was attending uh, AME church. And uh, man, I went from AME church to a Southern Baptist church. And uh, my pastor just at the uh, at the uh, oh actually I went from AME church to a Bible church, then from a Bible church to a uh, Southern Baptist church, and from there my pastor at the Southern Baptist church just said, "Hey man, this is something you might want to consider." Gave me a couple of options. I investigated, went down to Fort Worth, investigated, and man, kind of felt that hey, God is calling me here, and. Uh, we went and sure enough, man, it, it, it was God's plan, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you, you, you went to seminary there two, mm -hmm. three years. Yeah. I went there, uh, two to, uh, went there three years. Okay. And, uh, and I graduated from there and, uh, man, it was a great time. Um, definitely a great time. Definitely had a chance to grow great chances to serve in, uh, several churches had uh, opportunities to preach in over 10 states uh, while being, excuse me, 10 states. Had the opportunity to uh, preach in about five to six states while I was uh, serving there. So that was a, a blessing. Man, that, that's amazing. So mm -hmm. so you feel this call to preach. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, uh, but, but you are in church planting. I mean, mm -hmm. what's church planting and... Uh, do, do you do you feel a call to church plant? Gotcha. Yeah, man. So I felt I felt the call to serve God's church, period. Right. Mm -hmm. So I felt that call. I knew that I, I wanted to serve in his church, but I did not know how that what that looked like. Um, I was one of those persons, man, who I, I went to seminary and um, some of your listeners not might not know, but seminary is and and. And I have to inject this because I think that uh, it's important. But seminary is majority uh, Caucasian. The people who attend seminary, they're 98 percent Caucasian at a seminary. Just a few brothers who attend. And um, the unless one thing. Unless you go to Francis Grimke. Yes, unless you go to Francis. Exactly. Exactly. And so uh, the one of the one of the hiccups that I ran into uh, is that I was going to be able to cross cultures because I attended this white seminary. And that was not the case. I thought that I would be one who graduates from seminary and then be hired by a, some of my Caucasian brothers, right. Or be able to be hired, you know, in a black church, but that was not the case. And so, although I might've, uh, had the degree necessary in order to operate in some of those worlds, uh, it, they, they weren't going to hire me. And so um, what came to my mind was where I come from in Detroit. And even when I was in Fort Worth, uh, a lot of the black pastors would say, listen, man, you, you're attending this Caucasian school. And they used to say, they used to say, but listen, once you graduate, they are not going to uh, allow you to be in leadership in their their churches and man I, I it was tough for me to wrestle with that i knew that to be true just from my own personal history 
but I thought that the gospel message, uh, you know, had, uh, what am I trying to say? That the gospel message had reached these people and that they would, they would make allowances for me. And man, that wasn't the case. And so as I went through and I just thought, well, I said, well, man, maybe God doesn't want me to, you know, to, to work in this church. Maybe that's the case. And man, um, God just continued to work on me, work on me. And, and, uh, it seemed like he almost said to me, like, who, who told you that this would be your route? You know, who told you that you would just be hired in the church? And so, uh, man, uh, we, we go back to that word calling again. And I do believe that God had called me to a particular region for a particular time. And that happens to be Miami, uh, because I had an affinity for people of the Caribbean and I had, uh, served in missions in those particular areas. And I think that God was saying, well, I want you to serve these people, but I want you to serve these people stateside. And, uh, man, Miami would have been no place I ever would have decided to, uh, call my home, but, uh, God saw fit to even move me to that place. And that's how we ended up here in Miami as church planners. That was the sole purpose for coming to Miami. And so uh, we met tons of trial and tribulation, but God has brought us here. Man, that, that mm-hmm. leads me to my uh, next question. So, because uh-huh. it appears you had a difficult time just trying to wrestle with uh, the realities that mm-hmm. uh, black and brown people have when they're in dominant white spaces, which is, is there a place for me? Is there a seat at the table? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you guys value the diversity? Not just, of, I mean, and, you know, this principle that we're talking about, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes we, we, we uh, limit it to, you know, the secular idea of diversity. Man, it is literally the gospel. It is the gospel sure. is, you know, in, in Christ, one new man is made. And this yeah. new man came from Jew and Gentile. And just the thought process that he's saving people from every tribe, tongue, and nation, uh, and that he is most glorified, not in one tribal God, as being one tribal God, but being the mm-hmm. international savior of the world. When you, when you understand that and you see that, mm-hmm. um, you know, it seemed like you dealt with the harsh reality that people don't always believe the gospel that they preach. Come on, man. That is true. That is true. Um, unfortunately, man, I think one of the things that I had to learn, my wife and I, and it's tough, man, when you have your wife and, you know, you, you uh, as, a, as a man, you sometimes try to shield them even from harsh worldly truths. But they get a front row seat when you are a pastor. They get a front row seat. They see everything that you see. Um, and you can almost, uh, if you were to paint a picture, it's almost like sitting in the front seat of a roller coaster. Your wife is right next to you. You both see the same things at the same time. Same surprises hit you both at the same time. There is no shielding. And one of the things that um, I believe that she was able to see, too, is that uh, this whole diversity thing was it, it can it, it, it sometimes I, I don't want to paint a, a broad paint this with a broad stroke. But one thing I think we see is that. Diversity was also used as a tool. It was a fad for the moment. Um, it's still in that space as a fad for the moment where 
you know, not to diminish a youth pastor position or anything of that nature, but we will give you, as my grandmother used to call it, a straw boss uh, role. <laughs> and a straw boss was somebody who had no authority at all, right? He could get into the barn and move some hay around, but that's the least of his authority, right? Straw boss, man, that's pretty good. How I use that. <laughs> and so, man, when you think about it, man, diversity is that that tool that is often utilized as marketing for those particular places, especially when we speak of not gentrification, but, you know, some of these spaces that that our Caucasian brothers deal in, that community base is no longer what it used to be. It used to be 95 percent white or whatever the case might be. But now it's 50 percent white. Yeah. And so now they need uh, they use uh, a diversity as a tool. It's more or less a tool and not a issue of the heart. Right. We want to look, you know, and so it's, it's so, power dynamics. Uh, yes. Yes. And, and using the leverage you can and you need mm -hmm. diversity as a tool and, and powers kit. Man, that's funny that you say that. Um, so mm -hmm. have you ever wanted to give give mm -hmm. up as a church planner? Because oh, I know I, as a fellow church planner, I felt that urge. Mm -hmm. And um, because it's so, it's it's difficult work. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just want to know, man, have you ever, you know, wanted to give up? Oh, man, I did, brother. I, uh, man, I struggled with that probably a few months ago. You know, uh, uh I struggle with just saying, you know what, maybe God is not calling me to, maybe it was me hearing myself, you know, mm. I, what's so funny, man, you, you probably been here before, but you know, as a, as a, as a, as a human, not only do you start at the present moment with your doubts, but your doubts take you down through the annals of history. Mm -hmm. And you think that you might have misheard or taken a misstep in so many areas of your life. Uh, and uh, so, man, to answer that question, the answer is yes. And uh, and I never forget, I heard a, uh, a little quip, man, about, you know, those types of doubts, you know. And, uh, you know, I always say, man, with Satan, man, he is, he is somebody, man, who, who causes you uh, to just doubt, not just at the present moment, man, but he'll take you all the way back down the annals of history. So, what what uh what series of events, you know, a few months ago led you to to think mm -hmm. about quitting? Man, you know what? It was so funny, man. We've been we were in Miami three years. Uh, when we first moved to Miami, um, when we got here, uh, I had a job lined up, you know. I was going to teach uh, professionally as a teacher, uh, get here. The person who uh, was hiring me for the position just became MIA, right? That was the first hiccup. Mm -hmm. And so that brought me to a position of uh, driving Uber in, in Miami, which was a blessing because it caused me to learn all the neighborhoods, the crooks and crannies and uh, meet with folks. So that was one of the first things I was like, oh, Lord, I'm. Lord, I'm way off from, from what I thought. I tried to prepare. I got a family, Lord. You know, I need to make sure that I'm operating in a responsible fashion. So that was the first thing. The second thing, man, just three weeks uh, after we touched down, uh, a major hurricane came. So it forced us 
from our place in Miami uh, all the way to Tampa for about two weeks. Our, our place was actually uh, hit by the hurricane. So we come back, you know, after the hurricane is over uh, and uh, the damage in our property left some black mold. My wife was pregnant and uh, that was the pregnant was a miracle, man. We didn't expect to have uh, a fifth child because uh, she would have been unable right due to previous surgery. And so that was a miracle. Yeah. So, man, it was there was a series of events, man, that were just unbelievable. I mean, it's 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 book worthy. It's book worthy. And uh, man, little to say that even just six months, uh, you know, a year ago, excuse me, the uh, pandemic came just before my launch. So my launch was a week before the pandemic. And uh, excuse me, my, yeah, my, my launch would, would have been a week uh, after the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. I was like, Lord, I don't know what it is, but, you know, I don't know. So that, that, that's that series of events, chain of events that caused me to doubt if this was something for me. Mm. And then so, so what helped you move beyond the doubt? Mm-hmm. To believe what uh, God has called you to do, what what what, what pushed you past it, mm, man? Uh, the scriptures, man. Just just being honest, uh, it, it was the scriptures. Just seeing that, um, you know, we oftentimes, man, we look at the well, not everybody, but sometimes you hear the successes of the scriptures, and sometimes you for, forget the trials before those successes. And so, man, just staying in the scripture, reading in the word, hearing from other believers and what they've encountered, what they've seen. And man, not only that, man, but just seeing the wins, sometimes W-I-N-S, you know, God, even in your trials, even in your struggles, God places those wins uh, for you to grab onto in order to climb a little higher. And so, man, having a couple of victories here and there in just various areas. Uh, it was encouraging, man, and and so it told me to keep going and just remembering that promise or that trouble is something that's promised, and so I can't think that I'm somebody that should be straight laced. And um, I want to say this, man, because I think this is probably one of those things too, man, that's also related to uh, the, the the diversity issue. Um, one of the ills I would say of going to Caucasian seminary is that you think that your plight is the same plight that they have. You know, these guys go off, get a church. You're like, okay, that's the role. That's, that's what's going to happen. No, that's not necessarily your plight, right? Um, and so uh, you, can't, you can't adopt something that may not be for you because although it seems like it, it could be, God is the one who is directing your steps. And so... Um, that's another one of the ills you have to guard yourself from that your life should be like somebody else's life because you're in, you know, in seminary. Do what are some of the win you, you were mentioning wins. What are some of the mm-hmm. wins that you feel like you've gotten that had to put some wind in yourself, so to speak? Gotcha. So man, a couple of victories I saw, man, was just meeting people. And uh, being able to share the gospel with people and just that was huge. Like, um, you know, just just communicating with people, sharing the gospel, communicating while I'm here, 
uh, seeing that people do need, you know, the Lord, uh, you know that, but then it's, it's also better when you're able to interact and actually fulfill what God has placed you in the place to do. And so him putting me to work on the street um, is something that was a victory for me. Um, and so, uh, man, I had another event happen whereby which uh, I didn't know where I was going to meet. I was concerned. Like, man, where am I going to meet? What? What? I don't have a building. I don't even rents in Miami are high. Man, I played basketball with a guy one day. And after that one day, he asked me to come preach at his church. I said, oh, yeah, I'll come preach at your church. Man, I go preach. And he said, hey, man, would you consider uh, wanting to meet out of my church? I know you're a church planner. Uh, man, you can meet out of here. And so when that came about, it's like, Lord, you are active even when I don't think you're active, right? And so that was a victory, man, that kind of spurred me on uh, to keep going. Man, mm-hmm. that's amazing. When did this mm-hmm. happen? Man, this happened Thanksgiving of 2020. Thanksgiving 2020. Man, <laughs> amazing. That, 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 amazing. That's an amazing story, bro. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and gives, me, gives me hope that uh, God is at work. And, well, he's always at work. It's just, always. you know, your limited ability to understand the plan of God sometimes puts you in a position where you feel like he's not working, he's not moving. That's right. Lightning round questions. Lightning round mm-hmm. questions is where we at. Okay. Yeah. Scale of one to ten, how good are you at keeping secrets? I'm good. I'm great. <laughs> okay. One to ten? Uh, ten. Okay, ten. All right. Uh, why? why uh, you're confident about it. Why? Man, you know what? That's my character, man. Um, you know what's so funny, man? I think too, man. Uh, the conditions of, of kind of uh, how I grew up uh, in Detroit, man. Um, uh, I think that that environment kind of produced that that right. that whole, you know, making sure that you were a solid person. Yeah. You know, uh, being yeah. free of gossip. You know what right. I mean? And, I think uh, that mm. being real. Yeah. 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 So stand up. Uh, stand up. Integrity. Yeah. And so I think that is part of that culture, man. And so I think that that, you know, uh, I, I was able to adapt that, man, and that be a part of who I am. That is interesting, man. You know, often mm-hmm. people are like, well, there's not much you can learn from the hood, but man, there's a lot that you can learn from the hood because uh, in the hood, ain't no contracts. It's, no, it's, no. You say, if you say you're going to do it, please yep. do it. And, and you know, often, oftentimes people are like, well, why did he or she get shot up? You know, some mm. of times, a lot of times it's an issue of integrity. Like yes, the, the consequences sir. are high yep. for not That's meeting. Right. That's right. <laughs> for not meeting. So, you know, so you don't take up something that you can't do. Yes, sir. And you don't make promises that you can't fulfill. That's right. Yep. Yeah, man, yeah. that's crazy. Uh, hey, a handshake say? means a lot, right? A handshake means a lot. If you put your hand out there. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, boys are going to want you to. But if you if you do what you say you're going to do, you, uh, know, you won't have any problems, man. You it's, won't have any problems. It's interesting, yep. man. But yes, anyway, uh, uh, Ariel or Jasmine? <laughs> 
Only reason I can answer this question, man, is because of my youngest daughter. Uh, she likes Ariel. Uh, I had a chance to go on the Disney ride about a year and a half ago. So I go, I go with Ariel. Plus, I did like the reggae uh, uh, tone of that movie. So I can, I can okay. vibe. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yep. First celebrity crush. Ah, man. Thelma. Thelma. Okay. Thelma from Good Times. <laughs> that was from good times. Man, okay. Uh, Dawn or Dusk? Uh, man, you know what? I like Dawn, man. I'm a I'm an early riser. Uh, okay. Yeah, early riser. If you could travel back in time, what period would you go to? Man, dude. Ah, wow. Um, if I could travel back in time, it would probably be to the I would say the seventies, man. Um, probably why the seventies. Why the seventies? Man, um, I'm a big music fan, and music of the 70s is, is remarkable. I don't know what those guys were doing during that time, um, but 70s, uh, man, just just a, just a hit factory, man. That was an era of hit. And so, yeah, I just, um, it's funny that you say that. I just saw a tweet that said the mm-hmm. 70s was, had, the best, had the best music in the modern Oh, yeah. Age. I, man, no doubt about it. I mean... Perfect example, last night, Earth, Wind, and Fire versus the Isley Brothers. Right. Uh, yeah. A majority of their catalog was produced in that 70s period, although the Isley started, you know, back in the early 60s. But, uh, man, those guys were heavy, man. Those 70s for me. Uh, okay. Do you snore? Mm-hmm. I do, man. That's that's my newfound, uh, my newfound uh, 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 thing, man. My wife said, honey, yeah, you, you snore. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, no, my wife complains about it too. Uh, <laughs> place you most want to travel? Place I most want to travel, man. I do want to see uh, the homeland. I, I want to get to Africa. Uh, I definitely want to go there. Uh, and, and I hope and maybe we can go one time, man. I, I I used to go on mission trips all the time. Okay. Uh, and then you know my people from from uh, Nigeria. Okay. But, uh, that, maybe that one of these one of these times we can go. Let's do it. Let's do it. I love to see it. Favorite junk food? Favorite junk food would have to be, uh, now some may not consider this a junk food, but I would say pizza. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, Favorite childhood TV show? Oh, man. Good times. Uh, If I can throw another one in there. Uh, What's happening? What's happening? Uh, Okay. uh, Those are my two. Yeah, Martin, you being for Detroit, Martin oh, was never your thing. Oh, Martin, I love Martin, I love Martin, but it's hard to compete with what's happening. And I, I'm a moral guy. I'm a, I like the uh, morality. You know, those yeah. uh, those always had that kicker at the end, man. Yeah. So I I, I love those 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 moral punches. Okay. So, mm-hmm. uh, favorite season out of spring, summer, fall, and winter. Listen, man, I hate cold weather. Um, I like one season and it, it, summer. Summer, okay. Yep. Uh, last Halloween costume. Oh, man. Oof. Dude. I, I think it was like a devil. I think I had a mask, a, a, a devil mask. This is way back, too. Man, Plastic. that's crazy. <laughs> Just two on the nose, man. Okay. Uh-huh. Cake or pie? Yep. Oh man, I'm a pie guy. Okay. I like the pie. Yep. All right. 
Do you ever post inspirational inspirational quotes on social media? I do. Yep, I do. Okay. So I've done that. I've done that. All right. Well, let's move into our next uh, phase, man. Um, I wanted to talk about family and calling. And so mm-hmm. what what does you got five children? Yep. You and your, your wife yep. have five children. What does family mm-hmm. mean to you? Means a lot, man. Um, hence the five children. Uh, that was on purpose. Uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. Uh, got a basketball team. Got a basketball team. Uh, and so, man, it means a lot, man. Uh, I think that's one of those places of solace as well, whereby which you know when you come off that battlefield of ministry, uh, sometimes that is the well, a lot of times that is a great place to go for your retreat. You know, with the family. Um, uh, your wife is a retreat, you know what I mean? And so, uh, I love that aspect about it, but then sometimes you got to remember too, they are also a mission field, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so family is important, man. And, um, I'm thankful for them because without them and their willingness, uh, to be flexible, uh, we would, I wouldn't be able to do what it is that I'm doing. I wouldn't be able to go to grad school. I wouldn't be able to to, uh, you know, church plant and things of that nature. There's a lot of sacrifice, um, you know, uh, on their ends, my wife's end, as well as kids as well, because there's what we would call instability, right? The church planter's life does not look, quote unquote, normal. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot of flexibility there. So family is definitely important. Man, interesting that you say that. Uh, So would you consider family a part of your calling or is it separate to you? I say it's a part of it. You can't do it without them. Um, If you do it without them, you'll be single. Uh, (laughs) What does that mean, man? Uh, uh, Elaborate, because brothers, you know, you and I know, uh I mean, but what does that mean? Yeah, man, it it means, yeah, man, so... uh, being a faithful pastor means being accountable and not only to your quote unquote church members from afar, but your church members that are near. And that is your, your house, right? Um, I always like what they told us at the seminary uh, in the little chapel sessions. They say, you want to make sure you leave here with what you came with, right? Mm. If you came with a wife, you better leave with your wife, right? Mm. And so, you know, uh, at churches, you know, you might only be there for a season, right? Mm. God may only have you there just to get it up and running. And so you'll have to leave that place. But when you leave that place, you need to make sure you leave that place with your family and and leave there with your family intact, right? Not raggedly treated or, or, or uncared for. And so, uh, and then remember too, with your family, that's your greatest example of discipleship. Right. So if people see you loving on your wife, loving on your kid, getting rest with your kid, uh, you know, uh, uh, pouring into whatever their their interests are, that's a level of teaching. That's a level of discipleship. And so they're one of the greatest models um, that you can put out there for for your onlookers, your church, as well as the world. See, do you sometimes feel the tension? of your calling and mm-hmm. your family. I do, man. I do. And uh, I definitely felt it early on. 
my wife used to get on me about being able to say, say no, right? And uh, I felt that with ministry, man, it was so intrinsically wrapped up in saying yes, right? Yeah. And um, I had to learn, man, over time. Uh, and I'm thankful for the voice of the Holy Spirit through my wife that no is also a healthy communication, right? No is a sentence. And it's a sentence that's also helpful. It's not meant to be mean. Uh, it's an established boundary that is necessary to um, the calling, right? It's necessary to the calling. And um, yeah, man, the, the family is definitely a part of your ministry, right? Mm-hmm. So, so how, how do you raise five children and do <laughs> what you do? Mm-hmm. Man, listen, man. Um, it, it's so funny, man. Remember we talked about, um, I was saying a little earlier, it's funny how God uses your, your makeup, you know, or what you've been, what he's allowed you to bump up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never forget, man, when I was in high school, I had this class that started at 6.30 a.m. This class was about planning, right? It was all about planning. So you had to go to this class at 6.30, and they were heavy on writing a list, right? You need to do X, 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 X. And so, man, I see that in my life today, like planning. I, I'm a big calendar guy. I see you are a big calendar guy as well. And, uh, man, even a, it's not a crime to write down, at this time, I'm spending this with my family. At this time, I'm going to do this. Uh, writing a list, man, is probably one of the greatest helps that you can do because guess what? It always, there's always something for you to do right here. It always communicates, uh, that you can come back and pick up, but you still have been successful in some other areas. Yeah. Uh, man, just a quick thing. My, My wife's birthday is tomorrow. And it's so funny, man. I was looking for a gift for her and, uh, you know, it's hard to buy after a little while because, you know, you kind of buy a lot of things on a regular basis. But the one thing that coming across my mind was it, I was wanting to buy this one particular thing. And my, my mind just kept saying, you know what, go ahead and get it because you only have her for a little while. Right. You only have her for a little while. And it's the same thing with kids. And you only have them for a little while. Time is like that. And then guess what? They're adults. They got their own thing. And, you know. They're out the house. And so, man, we have to make sure that we cherish and, and uh, people. And one of the ways you do that is by scheduling, writing it down, right? Saying, I'm going to do this on purpose. I'm going to call this person. I'm going to text this person. What, what's funny about what you say is as church planners, we, we happen to be free spirit sometimes, but mm-hmm. like, that runs mm-hmm. counter to the free spirit culture in that, you know, valuing mm-hmm. time is probably our, our greatest commodity. What yep. I've realized was like money is not really my greatest commodity. It's time. Mm-hmm. If I got time, I can always make money. But if money. I don't have time, nothing That's I can right. do. Nothing you yeah. can do, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh man, no, um what is the number one thing that you tell your kids mm-hmm. uh that you hope sticks with them when they grow up? Man, um we have uh so each night, man, my kids go to bed at nine. And so the two things that we kind of do on a regular basis, we, we, we not kind of, we do on a regular basis. So we read the scriptures and I always communicate to them um, our, the, the, and throughout the devotion that that's the thing that I want them to stick to. Is my, my kids like history. 
And um, it's funny, man. I think I'm passing on something that I'm into, but they enjoy history. And so we, we read from a history book and then we, you know, we read from the scriptures. And I tell them, I say, history is cool. It's, it's important. But I say the most important thing you want to hang on to is the word of God. So um, I try to communicate to them that, man. And, and I want them to see that. And that's why we're very repetitious in that particular area so that it will stick. That is one of those habits that they'll at least recollect when they become an adult, when they hit the college age and when they become a married man or married woman. Uh, that, hey, man, this is a habit that we had. Why did we do that? Maybe I should pick that up again if it didn't continue. Uh, d- does does God call the single parent? Mm-hmm. And what, what would be that calling for that person who's yep. single and they're mm-hmm. a parent? Yep. Man, um, God calls a single parent. Uh, and even for uh, a single parent, um, you know what? God also makes provision, uh, even in your singleness, right? God will make a provision just like he makes provision for me. I'm, I'm so thankful. As I told you before, man, my without my wife and her flexibility or her willingness to do certain things, I could not do half the things that I do. And, uh, it's so funny, man. She carries just a different type of burden. And for the single person, there will be people in your life that are going to show up that's going to carry a burden for you. You have to be willing to accept, you know, help as a mm-hmm. single person, which, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people tend to reject, you know. Uh, but you have to be one of the, the the humble elements of being single is the, hu- the, 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 the humility element in that singleness is being willing to accept help. Right. Uh, let somebody carry a burden for you. Uh, and so uh, that's what I would say to the single person, because God does use single people uh, every day, every day. You know. Uh, what about uh, people with no kids? What, what are mm-hmm. some of the things they should be listening for if they're trying to hear his call? Yep. Gotcha. Yeah. If you have no kids. um, I would say, man, that's one of those areas of, uh, I would say, if you want kids, if you're, if you're, you want kids, then you should be listening, uh, and, and learning how to be, I would say patient, right? Um, that's the time of learning how to be patient. Um, it's also, man, one of those times whereby which you get a chance to be astute of just several things. One, you get a chance to be in an observatory in regards to how people with kids function, right? And also, I think it puts you in a position too to cherish the time that you currently have where you don't have kids. There's there's tons of gifts in having kids. There's tons of gifts in not having kids. Uh, I think oftentimes, man, is it's that whole looking at the, the the person over the fence. His grass is green, right? His is greener because he has kids. That's not necessarily the case, right? I would say both are, are, are blessed in that area. Even if you don't have kids, man, you need to cherish what God has given you, right? And it could um, be a season where you, you know, there's 
mission activities you could do. You, mm-hmm. you can't That's do right. without there's That's businesses that you could start. You probably couldn't start without it. Like there, True. like time is mm-hmm. what I don't think people realize is you can't just let time pass. Time That's right. is your most valuable asset. If the it's Lord has seen fit to give mm-hmm. you the 24 yep. hours of the day to mm-hmm. do whatever he has called you to do, you yep. need to use it. You don't Gotta know do. if you're going to go yeah. into that next season. That's right. Right, man. And yeah, like you say, you don't know if you're going to go into the next season or how you're going to go into mm-hmm. that next season. You know, uh, you may go in with, you know, quadruplets. Now mm-hmm. your life changed, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can so, happen. It can happen, man. It can happen. And uh, man, we got to make sure that we, uh, uh, I teach currently uh, full time. And uh, uh, every day we've been doing um, an Aesop fable. And the Aesop fable today uh, just had to do with jealousy and envy. Like Mm. the moral of Aesop's fable in regards to jealousy and envy is that you should not be envious or jealous. Appreciate what you have. And this is coming from a secular person. Mm. Mm. No. As Shakespeare would say, there are sermons in stones. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> what are some of the pressures that you face in trying to mix your mm-hmm. family and your mm-hmm. calling? Yeah. So some of the great pressures, man, is sometimes uh, having to leave them behind. Uh, and what I mean by that is physically uh, leaving them. You know, uh, I've uh, been blessed to travel, but then sometimes when it comes to travel, you sometimes have to travel alone. Um, that's one of the the costs sometimes, right? I try to minimize that. But uh, one of the other costs I would say is their feeling, right? Um, you know, when you engage with people, sometimes uh, feelings are oftentimes at stake, and uh, you can't say again who can be shielded or protected. Uh, as a matter of fact, you can't shield or protect, and so um. They have to have a, they get a, not a learning curve, but they, they get a front row seat again as to how to interact with people. Right. So there are some, some costs in that, in that regard. But, um, and then man, again, um, you have to learn how to carve out your time, you know, uh, for their sake. Right. Mm-hmm. And the other give on that is sometimes they have to carve out their time. For ministry sake, mm. so those, you know what I mean. Yeah, those are the give and takes, man. So, are yeah. there moments? Are there moments of pain mm-hmm. you can share mm-hmm. on this journey to carry a family with your calling? Oh, no doubt, brother. Um, man, one of my hardest struggles was again moving here. Uh, I t- I'll tell you two quick stories. One quick story was when we first moved to Texas. I, I headed to Texas in a great financial position. I was in real estate in Michigan and doing well. Uh, it was just before the real estate crash of 2008, 2009. And I'll never forget, man, I left Texas, my business intact. I said, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this seminary thing with my, on a, with my standing on my head. Man, not a week before, later after I had arrived, uh, the real estate boom ha- came and banks sent me letters saying, 
hey, we're no longer doing Michigan and Detroit. And I was like, oh, man, you know, what does this mean for me? And, uh, man, I had to take on just like a regular job. Uh, I was at a call center, man. Uh, you know, after my money ran out, I ended up working at a call center, you know, just a few bucks an hour, raising the family in seminary. I had two kids at the time staying at campus housing. And uh, and God provided, man. He did some just tremendous things during that time. I had this grandiose plan of doing this, standing on my head. And God said, stripped all of that away. And he showed me that I, he, I'm going to do ministry by his direction, right? And um, and so, man, even moving to Florida, uh, at, again, grandiose, I had plans. Not grandiose plans, but I had plans. I'm going to teach. I'm going to make sure I take care of my family. And uh, God stripped away some of those things. And I had to do it from the ground up, man. And uh, it was, we never went hungry, right? We never lost any pounds. Um, one time, man, during, the, during you know, when we first came down, I told you we had to move to Tampa, you know, which is a three and a half hour drive from Miami. We ended up staying with my wife's cousin uh, who took us in, man. And uh, not only did she take us in, but uh, she gave us like the best care that you could ever think of. And we were there for like six months. And uh, man, it, it, it just goes, it just goes to show, man, God, you're, you have planned, but then God always, his plan is always going to be out front, right? That's yeah. the plan you're going to end up going by. So, man, uh, man, um, as we're rounding the bend, do, mm-hmm. do you think God calls people to cities and to neighborhoods? And of course, I'm sure you you think so because you're in Miami. But, but what what does that mean to be called to a city? Gotcha, gotcha, man. I think back to um, you know, even in the scriptures, man. Uh, you know, you have those who are who are called to to you know different areas. Uh, you know, you saw. Paul desiring to go to particular areas, um, and so I do think that God calls people to 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 areas. Um, I think that um, now what we mean by that, or or what we can see by what we see in Scripture, is that the time frame. We don't know how long you might be called to that area, mm. but God can call you to that area. I would say Moses was called to Egypt, right? Um, and so, um, you do see that uh, on a regular basis in the scripture of people going to certain regions. It's, it's interesting that, that Jesus did his ministry along the coast, you know? Um, I think there was, there was intent, you know, he is God. So he knew the reason for doing that. Uh, when Paul went to Thessalonica, um, that was very strategic, not on his part, but on God's part. You know, he's on an east-west highway whereby which the gospel message uh, could, could travel. And so, uh, man, I, I, I truly believe that, um, you know, God definitely calls us to particular areas. And, and I would say maybe one of the grandest examples that we see of, of being called to a particular area was Jonah. You know, I caused Jonah to, to you know, uh, a particular area, man, 
I mean, and he wasn't letting him get out of going to that particular area. He had to fulfill that mission, you know? Yeah, that oh, was crazy. Uh, th- th- this has been good, man, to-, to your thought. Man, I think yep. sometimes God pushes people even unintentionally because you True. remember the, the Acts experience where the whole church is in Jerusalem. They mm-hmm. experience the persecution. And yep. Philip, man, is running. That's from, right. Um, man, whatever, slaughter, yeah. whatever was about to happen. And on his way, running out of town, he meets the Ethiopian unit. Uh, and and it is one of the first instances of the mm-hmm. gospel uh, being spread to somebody who's eventually going to spread it to the, to the uh, uh, outer reaches of the continent of Africa, man. And, man, it's True. crazy. God calls mm-hmm. us. And wherever we are, yep. that is where God has called us for this season. And that's true. Crazy. True. You know nowhere where by So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I said you're nowhere by accident. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, it's good stuff, man. Uh man, I, I really thank you for being with me this uh for this podcast mm-hmm. and uh talking about calling from the perspective of Sean Thrasher and from the perspective mm-hmm. of a, a church planter, you've given some insight that, man, we we covered, and I'm thankful for it. I'm actually going to share it with my wife once I get off. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, Sean and I, uh, mm-hmm. probably by the time you hear this, we mm-hmm. are going to start putting out uh, some content. We're going to do some current events. We don't mm-hmm. know the name yet, and so by yep. the time this is out, the name will probably be out there. But but check for us. Uh, we're gonna basically a whole nother podcast, and two of us are gonna are gonna partner and, and do some things. And I'm thankful for it because I've been praying for someone I could like go on this broadcast journey with outside Amen. of myself. You know, sometimes you get tired of talking to yourself. And, Come on, man. You know? <laughs> and so uh, a partner is always a good thing. So we're gonna be partnering on some stuff, and hopefully, you guys. We'll hear us shortly. Thank you for joining us. Uh, man, we may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift up his face upon you and be gracious unto you. And he give you peace, peace. Peace.